Well, good morning, everybody. Um, I'm here to share a little bit about myself, Rico McClinton. We haven't met. Hopefully, we'll meet soon. So, um, I'm from LA. Um, I'm gonna be brief. As a kid, my mom sent us to church. She gave us money. I would walk down the street, me and my brother, and we'd go get candy with the money. It was for a tithe, I know now, but we'd get candy. <laughs> we'd go to church. We'd, we'd take our naps. Come home. Didn't learn anything, really. Um, grew up in kind of an environment where you kind of had to uh, uh, take your respect, as I was taught in my household. Um, even my mom would tell me, don't let anybody disrespect you. Make sure you get your respect. So I grew up uh, figuring out ways to get my respect. I won't go in, my baby's over there, I won't go into too much detail, but <laughs> I was kind of an aggressive kid. Um, um, <laughs> and so then uh, at 14, I started working out, doing some bodybuilding. That was like my passion. Started doing pretty good at it, you know, and um, things were going really good for me. Um, but somewhere in there, even as I was doing great, I, I won't even talk much about it, but um, I knew something was missing. Like, I was doing these shows, I was advancing. I, I all the things I dreamt I want since I was 14, and I was achieving them. I knew something was missing. There was something incomplete. Um, I could feel it. Even after success, I'm like, something's not right. You know, so I started, you know, going to church and things like that. And I went to a friend's party, and uh, it was a young lady coming here who was invited out by Jerry Spradling. It's funny how things connect. She invited us out. And, and said, man, the music is amazing. So I went, and I, and I went for, I was still competing. I went for a couple of years. People made jokes for, I even got baptized. Everybody was getting on my back about getting baptized. But I knew it had to be my conviction because for me, uh, when I sign up for something, I sign up for it. I can't be for anybody else because I have to live it, you know. So um, brothers were very patient with me. What I found um, in the church, um, her brothers were patient, and they took the time to really get to know me and really love me. I felt love from these brothers who, uh, who pointed out my, who had the, 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 uh, the heart and uh, the patience to point out my weaknesses, very frankly. And uh, one of them was Chuck Bray. I don't know if you know Chuck Bray, but Chuck Bray would call you to the curb. And he would look at me and be like, brother, you in sin. You just need to repent. Uh, he'd be like, brother, you got anger issues, brother. You know, and I remember uh, him telling me once, he goes, you know, it's better to be broken than to be crushed. And I, I never forgot that. So we studied scripture, and I'm going to tell you one thing that impacted me in scripture because I was kind of a, I wasn't, my baby over there, I wasn't maybe the nicest guy at times in my life. I was very kind of cold-hearted, you know, as far as when it came to other people at times. Um, so, so Chuck read me the scripture. He was reading this to me, and he read about Stephen, you know, and they're talking about how Stephen had the face of an angel, and how he was testifying, how they, 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 they rushed him, they stoned him. And they killed him, and, he, and he, he had compassion on him still, right? But then he told me about Saul, you know. And then once Chuck told me that Saul was Paul, I was like, wow. That's something I never forgot because I was like, wow, you know, if God can forgive Saul, he can forgive me because I've, I've done a few things here and there. And when I said I didn't do what, you know, I wasn't out trying to kill Christians. So I'm like, hey, there's a shot. <laughs> you know, I'm being totally honest. I'm like, there's a shot. God can forgive me. So, <laughs> so <laughs> don't make me laugh, Steve. So, so we studied more, and uh, I really got to know uh, about really dig into the scripture and get to know what Jesus was about, you know, because I really wanted to know what I was signing up for. I didn't want to take it lightly, so I took the time to study, but I had to continually pray to give up bodybuilding because I still loved it to a degree. 
But I knew I had to walk away from it if I was going to become a disciple because the certain things we do in that sport, I just don't think fits with being a disciple, you know. Um, so I, I just prayed about it a lot. And I did one more show in 2000, you know, in uh, July, Mr. USA. And then uh, I walked off stage and they said, man, we're going to, and I was like 300 some pounds. They wanted me to get bigger and I was going to do it because I'm very focused. And I'm like, you know, I'm done. I'm not going to compete anymore. You know, and everybody's like, well, you're not going to compete. I'm like, I'm done. I want to change my life. I want to do something else with my life, you know. So on November 4th, 2000, I, I got baptized, you know. And I will tell you this, you know, what I found in life is good and bad. Whether you're a disciple or not, you're going to go through things. But what, I, what I've held on to is that Jesus, Jesus is faithful he said he'll never leave you nor forsake you. So I just tell you guys, you're going to go through stuff. I always said I'd rather go through it with Jesus than without him. So if you're here and you're going through something, trust me, if you rely on Jesus, there's always joy. You may not always be happy, but you'll always have joy. Thanks. Hi, everyone. My name is Christine, and I'm part of the singles ministry. Uh, my parents are Brock and Norma Bengard in the marrieds. But... Um, so I'm going to speak pretty quickly, mostly because I'm nervous, but also because I only have seven minutes. But I was born in Compton, and I was raised in the same neighborhood as Snoop Dogg. That's just so you get a perspective of where I grew up. Um, and my mom and dad divorced when I was two after a very physically and verbally, verbally, uh, I can't even talk, abusive marriage. Um, but when I was seven years old, my dad was diagnosed with cancer, and which spread all over his body. So... I pretty much spent some of my weekends with him during his last year of life, and this was the most I had spent time with him, but it was hard to stay positive because in the back of my mind, I knew that he was dying, um, and he decided that he wanted to pass away in the Philippines where he was born and to be with his family, so I asked my mom to help me sew a pillow, and we got him a stuffed toy to give it to him, but when we got to his house, no one was there, and he had already left, um, so I never got to say bye. And uh, this affected me in more ways than I realized when I was a teenager. Um, so anywho, I lived in Long Beach until I was 10 um, when my mom met and later married my stepdad, Brock. And we ended up moving two blocks from the beach in Hermosa. So it was like Snoop Dogg's neighborhood to Hermosa Beach. It was a complete culture shock. Um, but I was so excited because Brock was such a great and caring person. And he really tried um, his best to be a great dad. But I was a handful, to say the least. Um, he wasn't just marrying my mom, he was about to be a dad to a girl that was inching towards being a teenager. Um, and then when Hannah was born, my little sister, um, she was the most beautiful baby I'd ever met. Um, even in movies, she was gorgeous, and anyone that met her felt the same way. So for 10 years, I had my mom to myself. Um, but now I was not only sharing her with my new stepdad, but um, with this breathtakingly gorgeous human being. <laughs> so of course, I was really jealous, and I was so mean to her. Um, uh, during my teenage years, but now I consider Hannah one of my best friends. So fast forward, uh, since the age of 15, I always had a boyfriend, um, and I never wanted to break up with them. I always wanted them to leave on their own time, and now I realize it's because I never got to say bye to my dad, so it's crazy how um, now as an adult I see all these things. Um, and I was just emotionally dependent on always having someone there, um, and so when they were having a bad day, I was having a bad day. But one of the most impactful moments in my life as a teenager was when I went to a party and there was a girl that was clearly extremely intoxicated. She was completely gone. And I remember one of the guys pointing at her and saying, never be that girl. And that stuck with me my whole life. 
and it played a huge part in my life. So during high school, um, I hung out with the wrong crowd. We went to a lot of parties. I used to lie to my mom that I'd spend the night at my friend's house, and their, friend, or their mom was so lenient, she'd let us go out. Um, but my friends drank and did drugs, and I knew in the back of my head that I didn't want to do that, so I was usually the designated driver. Um, when I got to UCLA, my first friends um, introduced me to a lot of people, and they started inviting me to clubs, and I was meeting even more and more people, and eventually I started meeting celebrities through friends that introduced me to other celebrities and international celebrities. So I began associating, associating myself based on who I knew, and um, we didn't stand in lines, we had bottle service, and I remember thinking that was the life, like I had made it, I was living life to the full. Um, but one night I just looked around and it finally clicked that it was so fake and um, I didn't want to be part of that. They weren't my friends, they were just calling me to see where the parties were. And um, I just remember thinking that if I got into an accident, how many of these people would be at the hospital with me, um, changing my bandages or something like that. Um, and I realized no one, so I was over it. And um, I was met at UCLA, but I was met through um, Students for Campus Crusade for Christ, which is kind of similar. Um, but I started going to church with my roommate in Gardena, but it was the type of church where you just show up um, on Sunday, and some people were like, they would party the night before, and we, there was no accountability. And um, my parents were met at a soccer game, and uh, I refused to go to this new church because my friends were at the old one, so we went to separate churches for a while. But um, my mom told me, she asked me that um, if I would just go once to this church, and if I didn't like it, I never had to come back. And it was perfect timing because everybody had come back from San Antonio, so everybody was fired up. And um, so, and um, there was a video about all the churches around the world, and that's what our old church um, lacked was mission trips, and I love that. So um, I ended up chasing Betty down to try and join the singles. But um, I knew if I was going to do this, I had to jump in with both feet and leave the person I was and my past behind but UCLA had made me a very A plus B equals C type of person. So I researched a lot and I asked a lot of questions and what I really appreciated is the sisters always went back to the Bible for their answers. And ultimately knowing that my slate would be wiped clean and not only that, but that the fact that somebody was tortured um, to death for me and this was, was the main reason that I was like, this is the least I can do. Um, so I got baptized three weeks later on August 19th, and two months later, my stepdad was baptized, and a month later, my mom was baptized, and their stories are also pretty amazing. Um, so, <laughs> we're, we're obviously not perfect, but um, it's completely night and day compared to how our relationship used to be, so thank you. Hi, my name is Nicole. I know a lot of you already, but I thought I'd start with some quick facts about me. I am a senior at the Culver City High School. I love Harry Potter, and I eat way too much junk food. <laughs> as some of you already know, as a child, I traveled all over the world. My parents were missionaries, and we moved back and forth between different parts of Asia and America. By the time I was 12, I had not lived in the same home for more than two years. My childhood was very happy, and I absolutely loved traveling on the mission field. But then something really strange happened. In the seventh grade, I moved to Redondo Beach, and we stayed there for five years. <laughs> I realized that this is a very short amount of time, but to me, it was the longest I had ever lived in one place. 
So after two years of living in Redondo, instead of moving to a different country, I simply upgraded to the Redondo Union High School. <laughs> I entered high school with lots of friends and I was very excited. I joined tennis, theater, student council, and took many other electives and honors and AP classes. I also started studying the Bible my freshman year. I thought that I had done everything right, but by the end of my junior year, I found myself feeling friendless, hopeless, faithless, and I had developed severe anxiety and was experiencing panic attacks on a daily basis. During this humbling time, I was forced to reflect on the decisions I had made that brought me to this dark place. The first was the lack of vulnerability and humility in my life. I put thousands of hours in all of these activities, but rather than putting my heart into any of them, I put my hope into them. I used humility as an excuse to not let myself be seen, and I strove for perfection. I was an expert at seeming cool and unaffected and fitting in rather than letting others see me be angry, hurt, or even happy. I desperately wanted deeper friendships, but I was too scared to invest myself in other people. By avoiding rejection and hurt, I also blocked joy and happiness out of my life. My mom gave me great advice one day when she said, when you see the faults in everyone around you, then the person you probably have to change is yourself. This change was to be vulnerable. However, by the time I realized this, it was very hard to be vulnerable because this behavior triggered my anxiety and panic attacks. This leads to the second thing missing in my life, which was a dependence on God. As I touched on before, I put my hope into my accomplishments. Um, I constantly felt like I had to prove myself to others. This immense pressure that I put on myself made my emotional state like a roller coaster, and the confidence I had melted away. However, it is true that I'm able to boast in my weaknesses because only when I was at my lowest was I able to see my immense need for God, and I was baptized this past summer. I now can lean on God instead of myself. God has given me life to the full, not because my life is easy and I have no problems. In fact, being a disciple has gotten rid of a lot of pressures, but it has also put new pressures in my life. I've learned that I can't run away from my problems by changing my surroundings, but rather I can be joyful and hopeful by simply, simply allowing God to change me. Although I still have moments of anxiety, my confidence is not threatened because I don't have to get my approval from people since I already feel accepted, loved, and forgiven by God. To close out, I want to share a scripture in Isaiah 40, 11. Um, he, texts his, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers his lambs, the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. And then later on it says, Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause is disregarded by my God? Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will, they will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Thank you. All right, so in Matthew 6, verse 25, it says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about, what, about your body or what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Down in verse 33 it says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Uh, my name is Mark Steberg, and this is my wife Mia. Uh, we have been disciples for a while. I've been a disciple for 15 years, and Mia's been a Christian for 19 years. 
And so we both live in Manhattan Beach with our two wonderful boys, Andrew and Ethan. And the scripture in Matthew 6 has special meaning to us because uh, Jesus' command is really not to worry about your life and to put God and his kingdom first in everything. And it's a command from Jesus that comes with a promise. And that promise is that when you obey it, he will give you what you need. You know, clothes, uh, shelter, food, whatever that is. And the reason the scripture has special meaning to us is because we have seen firsthand what God does when we obey the scripture. And we've also seen what happens when we drift from the scripture and begin to worry about our own lives. So Mia's just going to share an example of how God has blessed us through obeying the command, and then I'll share an example of how I drifted from the command and what happened. So, Mia. As Mark mentioned, I was baptized in actually the South Florida Church, which is a part of our family of churches worldwide, on September 10th, 1995, just a month before my 28th birthday. I'm dating myself a little bit. <laughs> uh, to give you a little history of how I got from there to here, I grew up in Maryland. I moved to Florida in 94 for a new job and 401k sales. And my, which was all about me, my career, going for, going up the corporate ladder. Uh, but my next move was quite different. Um, I sought first the kingdom, and then I moved out here to California to San Dimas in 1998 to help strengthen the church at that time. And the decision was not easy. After two years in Florida, um, God gave me my dream job. It was a job in management and my field. It was um, much more, more than I could ever imagine in the pay that I'd prayed to get. So um, I was only in that position for about six months and that's when this opportunity to move out to LA came up. Um, I remember that the owner and the founder and the CEO of the company, he came into my office and um, he, he just said, he says, you know, this is, this is crazy. Why are, you, why are you doing this? You know, what is it? He, he said, you're on track to be a key employee. You're going to have ownership in this company and there's a bright future for you and you uh, j just name your price. What, <laughs> just give me the figure for you to stay. So, yeah, it, 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 was, it was really challenging. It was just, <laughs> but I moved anyway. <laughs> so, um, and then within a month or, yeah, within a month of moving here, I met Mark. Uh, it's actually a funny story. <laughs> uh, the, uh, I was seeking first the kingdom because I was trying to get a job and everything, but I still wanted to be about my purpose and yeah, reaching out to people. And um, so I was inviting him to church. But the funny backstory about that in my job search, um, it wasn't funny at the time, but now looking back it is. <laughs> but I met some new neighbors, and they were interested in um, – coming out to church and the husband worked at a brokerage firm and he got me an interview I was like wow this is great how God is working and um, the day of the interview I was um, I had met Mark because I was interviewing he was at the same company giving a presentation for his company and his product so um, and it was a new area that this company was starting and so the the manager didn't know much about 
what I did in that whole side of the business. So he gave my resume to Mark to say, hey, does she really qualify for what we're trying to start up here? And, and, and of, of course, Mark said, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that, so, so, um, so at any rate, uh, so I did get hired, and uh, it turned out to be the absolute worst job I've ever had. <laughs> it was awful. I mean, it was, you know, um, but God had a plan there. So the worst job, but I met the love of my life. But uh, we were going over this last night, and I just, I just said to him, because he knew a lot of people in that office, and, and I said, oh, my gosh, looking back, it remi- I don't know how many of you watch the show The Office or have in the past, but it was just like that. Like, the, I'm serious. I mean, they, the, the cast of characters, especially Dwight, like that, the, one of the guys was just like, like B.J. Novak, they, he must have been in there or something. I don't know. So, so anyways, Mark studied the Bible. He sought first the kingdom and he was baptized. Um, so Mark, he was interested in me, as I learned later, uh, and he wanted to date me. But at the advice of some spiritual brothers, uh, right after he got baptized, uh, he, they really advised him to just focus on your relationship with God and, you know, just, just date sisters to encourage them and, you know, don't think long-term right out of the chute here. <laughs> so, Mark, he did. He grew out. He, he took their advice. He grew as a disciple. And um, as I was watching him grow over the next couple of years, I had an interest in him. And we became great friends. Um, he was no longer reserved and, uh, and a little bit shy, like when I had first met him. And so I got to know and see his fun side and sometimes quite twisted sense of humor. But hey, so do I. I have one too. So, so I think that's kind of what kind of <laughs> endeared uh, me to him as well. But um, so he did finally ask me to date him when he found out that I returned the interest. Um, I think a, a friend, mutual friend of us, of ours told him, and then he um, probably the next day called me, <laughs> asked me out on a date. He asked me to be his girlfriend, and and so we um, dated three months, were engaged three months, and then we got married. Um, yeah, so, <laughs> but we had a pure dating relationship. So, um, and we did this, and that's why we did, that's why we got married so quickly as well, obviously. But. <laughs> But the Bible says in Ephesians 5.3, but among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or greed because these are improper for God's holy people. So it wasn't easy, but yes, it is possible with God, and I totally encourage it. Um, So so the first time we actually kissed was our wedding day. Yeah. (laughs) So Song of Songs says not to awaken love before it is ready, which really helped us in that decision not to do that, because a lot of people said, like, that's just weird. Why did you do that? So, <laughs> so but it was, and it was amazing. Um, fireworks and everything is <laughs> So prior to becoming a disciple, my dating life was filled with a lot of that immorality, impurity. Um, so it was really a, a tremendous victory for God and, as I mentioned, the reason for our short courtship and engagement. So um, I have absolutely no regrets about that. I would do it again the same way in a heartbeat. Um, so our marriage is absolutely amazing. It's a blessing from God um, in, in putting him first. We've ha- we have so much fun together. We make each other laugh, go out on lots of dates. Um, we grow closer every year. 
there are a ton of scriptures in the Bible that have um, talk about having deep relationships within the fellowship, within the church, and um, it's such a blessing to have those weekly times with uh, with another couple to help us to grow in our marriage and be there to help when we have when we do have our disagreements and bumps. We yeah, we have that to with one another, um, and just being able to be united. Um, uh, in our finances, raising our kids, and those sorts of things. So uh, we really love each other, truly, madly, deeply. <laughs> and uh, we really, we do have life to the full through our marriage, um, through seeking God and his kingdom first. So as Mia said, God really did bless our relationship because we, you know, we sought first the kingdom. We put him first in our life. But a couple of years into our marriage, about 2003 or so, I was getting, I guess you could say, restless in my career. Um, God had taken us uh, to, to really great places, although, you know, I was thinking about the financial part of it. And I was beginning to think and worry about my own life. Um, I wanted to advance. I wanted to make more money. I wanted to manage more people. And so... Uh, what also was happening in 2003 is Mia was expecting our first child, and we were worried about raising our kids in the place we were living at the time. So uh, I really went against Jesus' command not to worry. And, um, you know, what happened is a job opportunity came up at my company, a promotion that would have required us to move to Seattle. So Mia and I prayed about it, and literally as we were praying, the phone rang, and they offered me the job. So we moved to Seattle, and then a few months after we moved, our first son was born, uh, I, obviously, new parents, new job, new city, new neighborhood, new church. Uh, I was overwhelmed. We stacked up about every life change you possibly could have at one time. So I, I continued to worry about my life. I, I poured myself into my work. Um, I still went to church on Sundays, but I would say that uh, even though I was still going to church, I was still reading the Bible, I was still praying, uh, I was traveling on business almost every week, and I really was not making it a point to actively seek out relationships in the church. And we weren't serving in any capacity in the Seattle church. Um, I really didn't have any deep relationships there. And to my shame, that went on for seven long, lonely years. And I was drifting, wasn't tied into the church, um, really wasn't seeking first his kingdom. But even despite that, God doesn't give up. You know, he, he was still blessing us in our career. I was the number one sales representative in the country for my company for about four years in a row. And I'm so grateful that, that God didn't give up. Uh, eventually, I did get weary of traveling all the time and, and not being tied in. Um, it was like the prodigal son in Luke 15 who wakes up and realizes he wants to eat pig, pig food. Uh, that's how I was. And in 2011, uh, rolled around, and my company approached me at that time about a corporate job back in the L.A. headquarters that would allow me to stay home more. And I knew that uh, I didn't really want to move to headquarters. I didn't want to work a corporate job, but but I did know that that being home more would be not only good for my marriage and family, but it would be good for uh, me spiritually as I could build stronger relationships in the church. So I did repent, uh, decided to, to seek the kingdom first. I did interview for the job, and God gave me that job in, in the corporate office. And we moved back to L.A. and became part of the South Bay Church in 2011. So uh, when we got here, I was resolved. I was not going to drift anymore. Um, I was really going to put God in the church first and really began to make time for relationships for the first time in a long time. And, and we really did, you know, get great friendships built in, over the last few years with people, you know, all kinds of you. But, you know, the, the, I think about the Toomeys and the Pusateris and the Mongees and the Atkins and the Novaks and the Blessings and on and on and on. Uh, I don't mean to leave everybody out, but, but there's so many people that we have friendships with. Uh, Stephen Jack uh, asked us uh, 
few years, I think a year or so in to, to help lead the community service program here. And when they saw Mia's mad organizational skills, uh, they soon asked us to lead a community group in the beach cities and we agreed to do that. And since then, we've served as both community group leaders and family group leaders simultaneously, oftentimes. Uh, we've had multiple discipling or mentorship relationships. We've, we've built family within our groups. We, we've raised up some new family group and community group leaders. Um, we've served in Kingdom Kids. Uh, we've helped a number of folks become Christians. And I was talking to Mia last night. I was like, we're not the typical Manhattan Beach family. Uh, no, we do not have a nanny. Uh, no, no, our kids do not play seven sports at one time. Uh, we do serve the church, but, but it's amazing how God has blessed us when we've sought first the kingdom. And Satan, I think, really wants us to believe that somehow it's a sacrifice uh, to put the kingdom first. That you look at your life, you look at your schedule, and you think, wow, people have it so much better they don't have all these church things going on. But that is a lie. I'm convinced of that. Because we have received so much more from this church than we have given, than we can ever give. I mean, I think about the friends, as I said, the fact we, we get so much teaching and we're able to mature spiritually. Um, our two boys love church. Our, our lives revolve around you people. Um, they really do. We, we get to serve alongside an amazing leadership team. Uh, and we are living life to the absolute full. And I will say, though, when I look at my career, it has not been easy you know, since I moved here. I, I, uh, it's been hard for me to adjust to being an executive in a, in a highly political corporate office. Uh, but you know what I've realized? I mean, literally probably a few weeks after I'm gone, no one's going to remember what my accomplishments were at work. Um, no one's going to remember even who I was probably a few years after I'm gone. But what really matters, I've, I'm convinced, is right here. I mean, just look around. This is what matters because... The relationship that I have with Jesus and his church, that's what's going to last forever. Everything else is going to pass away. And I better start liking you guys now because I'm going to be spending a long time with you in eternity. So I've learned it the hard way. Seek first the kingdom. Don't worry about your life. And God will take care of the rest. Uh, have faith in that promise. Believe it. Don't drift away. Because Jesus does want to give you life to the full. As we transition to uh, communion, I do have a quick prayer request. Um, Robert and Lori Blessing, their daughter Bree, is visiting today, and she has a friend with her. Um, uh, Frank is going to be deployed to the Middle East uh, in the next week, so we would just ask you to please be praying for Frank as, as, he, as he goes uh, overseas to serve our country. Uh, quick scripture to prepare us for communion. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, it says, And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into the likeness, into his likeness, with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Let's pray for our communion. God, we are just so grateful for your Son. Uh, God, he came, Jesus came to earth just to show us how to live. Um, he died to forgive us and you want us to be where you are, God. And, and we are being transformed, as the scripture says, God. We, we are often weak here on earth, uh, but through your cross and through Jesus, we are being transformed into your likeness with ever-increasing glory. And God, we just look forward to the day when we can be with you forever uh, because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. And as we take communion, God, we just remember Jesus. We remember his death. We remember his resurrection. And most importantly, the glory that awaits us because of what Jesus did on the cross. God, we just ask that you would be with Frank in a special way during his deployment. Uh, just send your angels to, to guard him and to bring him and all of our troops back home safely. 
It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.